Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. He is Peter Watson. I can prove it. And further, I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, this week we are doing issue 53 of Challengers of the Unknown. Yay! And this was published on the 4th of October 1966 with a cover date of January 1967. Why are we doing an issue of Challengers of the Unknown, you might be asking? They're not Golden Age. They didn't travel to Earth 2. No, they didn't travel to Earth 2 and they're not Golden Age. But in this issue, they do encounter some people from from another dimension. Yes. See what you think. Just go with us. So, Challengers of the Unknown. I have to be honest, I have a few Challengers comics. I've got maybe a handful of the 60s ones. I've got a nice Neil Adams cover of one with features a cat. I've got all of the issues when it was revived briefly in the 70s and had tons of guest stars like Rip Hunter and Dead Man and Swamp Thing. Um, but I don't very much more. I can't honestly say I'm a huge expert or very knowledgeable about the Challengers, but thankfully, my colleague is. So, Peter... Tell me about the Challengers of the Unknown. First of all, I love the Challengers. I absolutely adore them. I've always loved the concept of the skilled hero who's got no powers. And the Challengers is a great team that is just filled with skilled people who have no powers. Uh, They first appeared in Showcase Issue 6 and were created by Jack Kirby. Now, it's unclear as to whether Kirby created them himself. Right. Because I've read some reports that said he co-created with Joe Simon who also did many things with in the Golden Age, including Captain America. And I've also read reports that he co-created it with Dave Wood, who we've talked about on, on the show before, who's written House of Mystery and things like that before. But there's no definitive answer to it. But definitely, definitely, Jack Kirby is all over this. So yeah, first appeared Showcase Issue 6, which came out in the 6th of November 1956 with a cover date January, February 1957. They're definitely there at the dawn of the Silver Age then. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Cool. So they had four showcase appearances in showcase 6, 7 and 11 and 12. Now I'm going to give you the history from Who's Who because it just totally sums up this team of adventures. It's fantastic. Okay. There were four men, ex-heavyweight boxing champion Rocky Davis, master skin diver and oceanographer Prof Haley. <laughs> that just sounds rude. I know. Skin diving is a term that sort of has fallen out of favour, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, bring back skin diving, that's what I say. <laughs> I'm skin diving right now. <laughs> Circus acrobat and electronics expert Red Ryan and war hero test pilot Ace Morgan, travelling together in Brilliant. Morgan's private jet to a taping of the popular television series Incredible People when the plane was caught in the grip of a sudden, unexpected storm. Now, despite Morgan's best efforts, the jet went into a dizzying stall, then plummeted earthward to plough a terrible path through the forest far below. The sheer force of the crash turned the aircraft into so much torn and twisted metal, yet, remarkably, miraculously, the four men staggered from the wreckage, alive and utterly unharmed. Red Ryan even noted that his watch, which should have been destroyed in the crash, was intact and keeping perfect time. Borrowed time, added Ace Morgan. Ah. And Prof Haley agreed they were all now living on borrowed time. Yes, because the, the borrowed time thing, that explains the little hourglass yes. motif that they have in their uniforms, it. doesn't it? Yep. Yes, aye. Even in itself, that's as a capsule sort of idea, that's terrific, you know. Mm-hmm. We're living in borrowed time, we're going to make the most of it, we're going to do stuff. You that's know. it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. 
and Prof Haley suggested uh, the time was best spent taking a few more risks, and the others agreed, and thus was born the Challengers of the Unknown. Outstanding. Now, initially, the four of them accepted assignments on commission, using their income right. to construct a secret mountain headquarters, also known as Challengers Mountain. Right. Other people have worked with the Challengers over the years, including Red Ryan's kid brother and the enigmatic Corina Stark, but only Dr. June Robbins, who first appeared in Showcase Issue 7, their second appearance. She was a computer and robotics expert. Right. Only she is considered the fifth Challenger. She's not an issue we're doing today, but she's um she's around in the seventies issues that I've got. Yes, uh, she comes and goes, but when she stays with the team, she's there for quite some time. Yeah, I didn't realise that she was introduced quite as early as she was. That's quite interesting. Yeah, literally their second appearance. Uh-huh. That's that's cool. I thought maybe she was just added on later on as a bit of token representation, but that's cool. No, as that's I said, good to she know. comes and goes. Their costumes have changed. Initially, they had the purple jumpsuits, but in the story we're reading from today, they've kind of got lovely yellow jumpsuits, sleeveless jumpsuits with some red trim on it. Yes. Yes. Still with the hourglass on them, of course, but the four characters are quite striking. So, Jack Kirby was on the title until Challengers issue 8, then he moved to Marvel. Ah. And one of the first things he did when he moved to Marvel was create the Fantastic Four. Of course. Which basically are the Challengers the Unknown with powers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because you've got the, the intelligent one, Prof Haley, is now Reed Richards, uh, Rocky Davis, yeah. uh, is obviously Ben Grimm. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you've got Red Ryan is kind of like Johnny Storm. Uh, if, actually, if you merge Red and Ace together, the flying yeah. guy with the like, fiery nature, uh, that's Johnny Storm. Yeah. And June Robbins, obviously, is uh, Invisible Girl. You know, it's, it's insane. A nice parallel was drawn, actually. Do you remember when, um, I think we've mentioned them in the past on the podcast, the, when DC did the Amalgam comics yes. in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Off the back of their 90s DC versus Marvel series. And there was Challengers of the Fantastic. I loved that. That was amazing. Which, you know, obviously combined the Challengers and the Fantastic Four. Maybe stick the cover for that one up on the socials. Yes, absolutely. So you can have a look. That'd be, that'd be a nice bit of mm-hmm. bonus content for this week. So when you think about it, if it hadn't been for Challengers of the Unknown, you would not have Marvel Comics as they are today. Because everything in Marvel yeah. Comics today is built <laughs> on Fantastic Four number one. Aye. It was the first issue that relaunched Marvel Comics. It's incredible when you think about it. It's, uh, yeah. It is. Fantastic. <laughs> Challengers had a bit, has had a bit of a sort of spotty sort of publication history, hasn't it? Because yeah. it ended and then was revived. In total, it ran for 87 issues, their initial run, but it did have a, a break in the early 70s and came back uh, later on in the Bronze Age. But during that time, mm. they guest starred in other titles as well. But also, it was one of these titles that championed the secondary characters. Like, they had appearances by the Sea Devils in it. Uh, in the Silver Age, the, the Doom Patrol appearing in them. You've already mentioned that uh, right, Rip yeah. Hunter has appeared in it as the Dead Man and Swamp uh, thing when yeah. they came back in the Bronze Age. So they were all, yep. always kind of present. They've also had a DC Comics Presents team up with Superman as well, which Jack uh-huh. Kirby did, which was fantastic. And of course, they do pop up in Crisis and Infinite Earths, so we won't see too much of them mm-hmm. in the podcast, but you know, there's, there's that to look forward to in the dim and distant future. And post-crisis, there have been a few attempts to bring back the Challengers. There was a great mini-series in the early 90s, uh, and it was actually the first collaboration between Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And it was an eight-issue mini-series mm. of Challengers of the Unknown, and that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I hugely recommend you check that out. And there have been a couple other series. Uh, there's one by Stephen Grant, which is very good. And Howard Chaikin as well uh, had a stab at the Challengers, and they're all really interesting. You should definitely check these out. But they are all different takes. And, of course, there was there was the sort of slightly... I think Jerry Ordway was involved. There was the new 52 DC Comics Presents series that they featured yes, in. And, yes. of course, 
I think it was in the wake of metal, which <laughs> I sound like an old man talking about <laughs> something he doesn't know anything about, because it is. They're all in a box and I haven't read them. In the wake of metal, of course, there was the New Challengers, which was a, a six-issue series. Ah, exciting. exciting. Yeah, they won't go away. Nope. So that's one good thing about them. They're, they're persistent. They're a perennial. Indeed. So we're doing issue 53 of Challengers today, as I say. We've decided it kind of falls within a remit to be as thorough as possible about, you know, heroes experiencing other dimensions like we did that Green Arrow story. We've done so many Wonder Woman stories now. It's not quite a parallel universe, sort of parallel Earth in the, the style of maybe Earth 1 and Earth 2, but we, we figure it's worth doing. Now, before we get into issue 53, Peter's going to tell us about issue 37 yes. very quickly. In issue 37, there's a story called The Triple Terror of Mr. Dimension. And when I read that, I thought, that's very exciting. So I dug out my copy of issue 37 mm -hmm. and was a bit disappointed because I remembered what the story was about. <laughs> it's a fun story, but it doesn't really cover anything we were going to be doing because basically Mr. Dimension is a vagrant who finds a time machine in, in the woods. Oh, right. And in this time machine, there's this mm -hmm. device that can alter dimensions. So basically he turns one of the challengers two-dimensional and then he uses the fourth dimension to age one and that sort of thing. So there's no actual dimension travel. The whole end of the story is the time traveller comes back and gets his stuff back and goes away and everyone's fine. Right. It's a fun fun story but you know inconsequential. It's dimensions in the sort of mathematical measurement sense rather than yes. here's a version of me who has a smaller nose and all his hair hasn't fallen out. Yes. That sounds like fun. If we maybe ever set up a Patreon, we could we could do that one, maybe. maybe I don't know. Maybe. I have to say, Mr. Dimension. Uh-huh. Mr. Dimension definitely sounds like a, an MF Enterprises Captain he Marvel does, villain. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Wow. <laughs> I wonder what Mr. Dimension, I can picture him now. He's probably about forty-four. He's probably got a wart on his chin. He wears a blue boiler suit, which is open to to reveal a collar and tie underneath. Yes, yes, that's, yes him. that's him. That's Mr. Dimension. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Terrific. Perfect. Right. So, shall we shall we get back to the plot then? Yeah. Issue 53 of Challengers of the Unknown. We're not going to do a full read through of it. We're going to do a, a pretty thorough read through. Yeah. There's some stuff in it that's a bit dodgy that we're going to we'll cover, but we're not going to go into full detail on it. In comparison to some of the comics we've done, it's very very dense, very very talky. So there's going to be a few areas that we're just going to summarize just to kind of yeah. to get us through. But it's a lot of fun. We think it's pretty relevant to what we're trying to do. So see as I keep saying, see what you think. So Peter. Yes. Tell us about the cover to issue 53 of Challengers of the Unknown. Thank you, David. We are in 1966. <laughs> so, of course, we have the fantastic Google checks right at the top of the cover. And underneath that, you get the title of the story, which is... Who is the traitor among us? Then we've got the Challengers of the Unknown logo. And then it says in a box at the side, co-starring special guest villains, the incredible Iron Dictator and Dreadful Dimension Man. Dreadful Dimension Man is his full name. Yes. So we've got in the small box a picture of the Iron Dictator. He has got a white skull face and he has a big Nazi swastika on his chest. Yes, he's wearing sort of black tunic with a, a swastika again in a red circle background. Yes. He does look a bit of a kind of knockoff version of the Red Skull, doesn't he? We'll get into this later on. Yes, we will, very much so. And Dreadful Dimension Man is front and centre of the entire cover. He is... A really odd-looking character. He's a guy who's in green with some purple accoutrements on his costume with a strange purple Galactus-like helmet with two big Ds in the side and a sort of miner's lamp, like a Monda Cybermen-like lamp on mm. his uh, head and he's got a big purple D on his chest. Now, we mean the letter D. We don't mean anything else that could be misconstrued. Yes. I mean, 
Green and purple is a colour scheme. It's Classic villain. Yeah, it's a bit early Legion of Superheroes. This cover really pops. Mm-hmm. You've got the green and purple dimension one bursting out of this big blue force of energy. The Challengers logo in yellow against the black and the Challengers themselves sort of running along the bottom of their yellow uniforms. Yes. It's, striking. It does really pop. It's very striking. Very eye-catching indeed. When I, I bought this as a back issue and it really jumped out at me when I was going through the, the back issue bins, I thought, I, I, have to, I have to get this. It looks fantastic. And yes, see what you think. Yes, so into the story, and the splash page has Challengers of the Unknown in the logo in a corner box, and then with big, thick black letters against the yellow background, we have the story title, Who Who is is the the Traitor traitor Among among us? Us? There's quite a lot going on. To the left of the page, there's a couple of inset caption boxes, one which labels Dimension Man, and another one that labels the Iron Dictator, and the Iron Dictator, it must be said here, does look as if he has a stray lock of hair on his forehead, and it does look slightly as though he has a very neat, black, narrow moustache. Yes. The challengers can be seen dropping through the roof of a bank onto a giant red robotic-looking tank, which has sort of some Nazi-looking crosses over it. The tank is being driven by the Iron Dictator, and again, you can see there, it does look as if he has that little stray bit of hair falling over his forehead. Yes, it's obvious who they're referencing. We can see some some of his military associates wearing their dark blue uniforms with the Nazi symbols on the chest, and challengers are all dropping in and giving it loudy. We have a caption box on the side, which gives us a setup, and it says... DC, once more, in typical modesty, introduces a sensational new villain team. The most spectacular since Villow and Brainex made their world-shaking debut. Now meet Dimension Man and the Iron Dictator. Tell me who Villow and Brainex are then, Pizzi. They're regular members of the League of Challenger Haters, which is uh, recurring oh, challenges right. the unknown villains. You've got them, you've got Multi-Man, you've got Multi-Woman, you've got Ultivac, Volcano Man, all these sort of really weird monstery or mad scientist characters all banding together to take down the challengers. I see. Vilo and Brainiac, I think, just appeared in the issue just before this, if I remember rightly. Okay. So, yeah, it's not as out there as you think from the caption. (laughs) Yeah, the caption presumes a bit of familiarity, which I don't have. Sorry. Uh Uh-oh. Anyway, so yes, we're not going to do the dialogue for this scene, but basically the challengers are fighting the Iron Dictator and his mates, and basically the Iron Dictator is saying, kill the challengers, Sieg Heil, and one of the Iron Dictator's lackeys is saying, Heil Hitler, Heil the Iron Dictator, and punching away some Nazis in the front, Rocky is saying, and dig the creep in the panzer tank, some kind of halfwit who thinks he's Hitler. And that's basically... (laughs) That's basically the crux of this this issue, basically. They're the baddie, the Iron Dictator, as it transpires. Well, you know... We'll see as it goes along. We'll see as we go along. So we have another little caption at the bottom of this page, and it says... Also, the challengers find a new headquarters, the strangest ever found on Earth. And you'll ask yourself, is it really a new headquarters or one big booby trap? Read on. So, story starts off, the, the challengers are being drawn by a strange force. They're in their aeroplane, the Galloping Gizmo. They land it in front of an odd structure at the base of a mountain. It looks. It reminded me of the sort of Dalek City from um, the very first Doctor Who story of sorts. It has that sort of vibe to it. So the challengers make their way into the building and Rocky exclaims, Holy mackerel! And Red Ryan says, You can say that again, muscles. And Rocky says, Holy mackerel, well apologies to Rob and the boy wonder if Batman doesn't object. So that's a nice that's a nice contemporary reference to the TV series. Yes. So they basically now found themselves inside a giant laboratory, which is 
been wrecked like a tornado, one of them observes, one of the challengers observes. And then all of a sudden, a disembodied voice tells them to search the wreckage for a projection machine. And then they're suddenly sort of set, all set upon by this invisible force. There's lots of biffs and pows as they all get knocked around. And they spread out as a team to try and sweep the room so they can try and catch whoever it is that's knocking them around and giving them a hard time. But then Professor Haley spots something and he says, Wait a minute, that gadget there. It looks like it might be some kind of recorder. I'll give it a try. So we're now on page four of the story and panel three, the disembodied voice, which had been booming out from all around them, says, Greetings, challengers. I summoned you here by means of mental influence waves. It was vitally important that... And then we see Prof Haley sort of examining this, this machine that he's found um, that looks like a recorder and in sort of response to something Red had said earlier on, he says, It wasn't phony Red. That's the same voice, starting at the beginning again. We missed the part describing a projector when we were socked. And in the next panel, they're all grouped round this recording device and Rocky says, Then if the guy behind that voice didn't bat us around, who did? The Prof says... There might have been someone else here, Rocky. Our invisible attacker. Let's hear what the recording has to say. And the recording continues. Look among the wreckage for a projection device which I shall describe. It is oval-shaped, stands on a tripod. And then we see Prof has found it and he says... Hey, this must be it. Let's give it a whirl. Then the caption for the next panel says... Shortly... And they've got the projection set up, and they're obviously using one of the walls as a sort of makeshift screen, and it's projecting an image of a guy in a lab coat. He's a bald head, and the projected image of this baldy scientist guy is saying, I can only assume you have reached this point, challengers. At least I hope so. I want to divulge some secrets that promise to stagger your imagination. And Rocky says, My imagination's already been staggered. What next? And then in a sequence of three panels at the top of page five, the projected image of the scientist says, One moment you see me standing here facing you. And in the next panel he's disappeared and he says, Then innocently I am gone, seemingly vanished into nowhere. Actually, it might as well be nowhere because I slipped into another dimension. And then he's back in the next panel, reappeared and he says, Now, just as easily and as swiftly as I vanished, I have returned. The formula for how this can be done can be found in... And then they've lost the picture. It's gone all screwy and the dialogue is sort of wrecked up. And Rocky remarks, Hey, who writes this dialogue? Soupy Sales? And Red says, Now the picture's gone haywire and so's his voice. And Prof says, I'll see if I can adjust it with the control dials. The next panel we can see that Prof is still fiddling with the projector. We can still see the screwy projected image in the background. And Prof says... No use. They didn't do the trick. Maybe the machine was damaged when someone wrecked this place. And Ace says... Which leads us back to where we were. Who was the invisible guy that clipped us? In the next panel, Prof says... My bet is he's a crook who knew about the dimension formula and broke in here to steal it. His frantic search could explain the awful condition of the place. And then Red says... And what happened to the guy on the screen? Scientist X. And Ace says... Beats me. In fact, this whole business baffles me. So in the next panel, bottom page five, the challengers are all back around the recorder on the floor. And Rocky is saying, We never did hear the entire recording. Maybe it'll give us some answers. And it looks like he's removed a tape or something from the recorder. Um, but what, we, what the challengers don't see is that they're being observed by a translucent figure wearing a cape and a strange helmet, which has 
a sort of metallic D on the side of it. Hmm. And a little caption tells us, But the Chals momentarily forget that they are not alone and can be overheard. We're now at the top of page six and they've managed to get the recording playing again and we hear the voice of who we will now identify as Scientist X. And he is saying, Now that you have the formula challenges, And Rocky interrupts the recording, Which we don't, Dad. Some cat beat us to it. And the recording continues. I want to give you three clues to the location of other secrets that I have discovered. Now in the background of this panel, the translucent figure from the bottom of the previous page is fading in and we can clearly see that it's Dimension Man who was on the cover. We get a better look at him here. It's the purple helmet. He has green shorts, green top, purple trunks. It looks as though his arms are yellow. In fact, it looks like his face is yellow yes. as well. Uh-huh. So the, the t-shirt and the leggings are obviously green, but as on the cover, he definitely looks so his, it looks so his hands and his skin are green, so maybe that's just a, a bit of lighting. Anyway, as he fades in and becomes more solid over the top three panels of page six, the recording continues. These clues are difficult, purposefully so, because I want to stimmy the stranger who has been prowling around this vicinity. And Rocky butts in. A stranger, eh? That'd be the fink who stole the dimension formula and belted us around. And the recording continues. But I feel reasonably certain that you four men who survived a thousand strange adventures, who defied death innumerable times, can solve my cryptic secret. There are three clues. Sound, substance, and light. And Rocky says, I heard a piece in a map together from three torn parts, but oh boy, this is way out. And the recording continues. Remember, sound, substance, light. I leave the rest to you, challengers. Now I must depart. In the middle of page six, now in panel four, this is quite good actually because you get the sense that Rocky is doing a sort of a double take. Absolutely, yeah. He turns around, obviously, yeah, and has glimpsed Dimension Man. And Rocky says, If that's all Buddy Boy had to tell us, I don't know why he bothered telling us anything. Sound, substance, light. I don't dig any of this jazz. I ain't about to say I'm the smartest cat in the world, but I ain't the dumbest either, in spite of what you guys think. But I can't get with it because, wait a minute, what's that? The next panel shows Rocky pointing at Dimension Man, and he says, An eavesdropper. And he just came out of thin air, pals. And my chin's got an itchy feeling that it keeps telling me he's the bird that bought me. In the next panel, Rocky has attempted to punch Dimension Man, but it seems like Dimension Man has faded out. Rocky says, First thing I do, Buster, is pay you back in spades. What? Get a load of that. My fist went right through him. Part of his face just up and disappeared. And Dimension Man says, you can't lay a hand on me, you big oaf. And then at the top of page seven, Ace leaps forward um, and passes right through Dimension Man. And then Red makes a dive from behind and he passes right through him as well. And then panel four of page seven, Red collides with some equipment saying, I had the last chance to nail him and flunked it. And then Dimension Man starts to fade out again, saying, Of course, you don't think you're a match for me, do you? One of the reasons I'm here is to show you the futility in fighting me. Besides, I want to introduce myself. But I won't be formal. Just call me Dimension Man. D-Man for short. And Red says, For short is right if I ever get my hands on you. So the bottom panel of page 7, Dimension Man's voice can still be seen as he fades away, saying, And with these amenities done with, I'll say so long for now. Ah! One thing more. Don't forget your precious clues. Sound, substance, light. You'll have a lot of fun trying to put those together. (laughs) 
And the challenges are all basically laid strewn about the floor. Prof with his fringe falling over his eyes. Red sort of sat there looking very fed up. Ace sprawled out. And Rocky on his knees rising to a stunning position. So it looks like they all must have had to go at him. Rocky's saying to Dimension Man, Just come out of that dimension, hide out, brave boy, and I'll send you on a trip to the moon. Come on, show yourself. I double, triple dare you. We arrive at the top of page eight. And the caption says, But, scorning Rocky's challenge, the bizarre dimension man makes a remarkable instantaneous appearance elsewhere. Yeah, so it looks like there's a, a little burst of energy in the middle of thin air that Dimension Man is walking through, and he's obviously back at his own pad. And it's very interesting. I love this place. Yes, it's decorated with lots of giant Ds. There's a staircase that sort of has a almost like a doorway at the bottom of it that's, a, that's sort of shaped like a D. There's a very ornate lowercase D quite near the, the camera as it well. There's sort of fountain effort in the background, which is a lovely big D embedded into the brickwork. There's a little statue of himself on a very, very low glass <laughs> table. So obviously, you know, he's very important to him, to his own self. This kind of reminds me of the crime champion swinging bachelor pad that they had. <laughs> Maybe he's taken it over. Yes, of course. Of course, way back in the first JLA JSA team up, yes. And then as Dimension Man is emerging through this little burst of energy that's in mid-air, he is saying, Well, like the challengers, I too know now the clues that can lead me to fantastic secrets, if I can find out what those clues mean. With Scientist X's other incredible discoveries in my possession, nobody on Earth can stand against me. Luckily, I got the Dimension Formula before those annoying challengers got into the act. And now, now... I am ready to call on the aid of a cohort. As mad as he is, under other circumstances, I wouldn't bother, except that his insane determination to rule the world will further my own cause. We're now in panel three of page eight, and the caption for the panel says, Then D-Man focuses a small beam on the wall. Yep, and he's got a sort of gun device here, and he's firing it against the wall. There's a little burst of green energy coming out of the gun, which turns into a little yellow burst when it makes contact with the wall. As he fires this weapon, D-Man says, No need to be overly concerned about him. If my colleague in crime gets out of hand, I can just send him back to limbo. Uh, I mean, the, the mysterious dimension. Well, here goes. Now in panel 5 of page 8, and the burst of yellow energy against the wall has grown to a sort of large rectangular doorway. Uh, as D-Man continues to focus his gun on it, he says, Welcome, my friend. Come out. It is time now for you to make your sensational appearance. Welcome, Iron Dictator. Yes, and Iron Dictator strides into the room through the yellow doorway of energy that's in the wall, and we get a better look at him. He's wearing blue metallic-looking armour, sort of red metallic-looking trunks. He has a red cape, as we said earlier on. He has a red circle with a black swastika in it we can see this very robotic skull-like face that he has and there's a definite hint of sh in the shading of a, of a Hitler moustache and it's obviously that the the little tuft of locks of hair at his front is alluding to, to Adolf Hitler as well as I said at the start we're going to be very careful about what we say and how we cover this as the Iron Dictator strides through the yellow energy doorway he is saying Bah! I have been impatiently awaiting you it's about time you got me out of that dimension, and don't refer to me only as the Iron Dictator. After all, I am Der Führer. 
and he says Heil as he makes a very obvious salute to D-Man. And D-Man doesn't look too impressed now as we arrive <laughs> at the top of page nine. He gives a half-hearted return. <laughs> yeah, he very nonchalantly has one hand behind his back but raises his other hand, almost looks like he's greeting the Iron Dictator. And Dimension Man's reply to the Iron Dictator is... Sure, Adolf. I understand. Heil. Now, let's get down to business. So in panel two, then, of page nine, we see the... Oh, God. We can see the Iron Dictator has unfurled um, a large flag. And he's saying to D-Man, Our headquarters lacks a very important touch. This, D-Man replies, Yes, of course. The Nazi flag. Yep, it's a giant Nazi flag. We're going to be very, very careful about which panels we put on the socials for this story. (laughs) We're going to try, because, you know, let's be honest, I'm not a Nazi. Neither is Peter. We don't agree with that ideology. If you do, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. (laughs) We're going to be very careful at what we use to represent this. Hopefully we can do a decent job of representing the story online without having to include any of this vaguely contentious stuff. And bearing in mind, a lot of the characters that we're focusing on 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 this podcast are going to be people that have punched Nazis quite a lot. Yes. (laughs) So we're continuing that grand tradition here. Yeah. So anyway, the Iron Dictator continues... It is the banner that shall lead us to a smashing victory. We start with a few, but our legions will swell. Soon, millions will rally to our cause, and the world will once again tremble at the sounds of marching jackboots and the thunder of tanks. He continues in the next panel on page 9, where it really does look like a really scary, almost robot skull-like Hitler. It's really quite disturbing. And he says, I made a mistake last time by not having enough power at the right time. But I have done a lot of thinking during the years I have been imprisoned in that dratted dimensional world. By humour, won't the world be shocked to learn I am still alive? And he's raising the flag up in the next panel, and he continues, Now, where is that accursed scientist who imprisoned me in the dimensional world after I had an aide take my place in that Berlin bunker where he perished? I want that scientist! And again, another very nonchalant-looking dimension man says, (sighs) Must we go through all that again, Adolf? (laughs) Oh, dearie me. Anyway, continued on second page following. The rest of this page is taken up with an advert for that month's issue of Hawkman over the page. And the dialogue between the Iron Dictator and Dimension Man continues top of page 10. What is this, D-Man? You always show a lack of interest in my search for revenge against Scientist X, but even you, partner, cannot stand in my way. You've got to understand world conquest can't be based upon revenge alone. Besides... Besides? Besides what? There can be nothing besides revenge in my mind for the man who held me prisoner in another dimension for a quarter of a century. Then I must tell you everything. You'll never see Scientist X again. He is somewhere among the stars, millions and millions of miles away. You see, X was not from this world. And we're into flashback territory with the next few panels that round out page 10. We have an insert of Dimension Man who's narrating the events of the first of these panels. And Dimension Man is saying, Yes, he's from another planet. When he arrived here, he was in his natural, monstrous form. I know this because I later saw his notes. And this panel shows 
Scientist X, who we obviously saw projected onto the wall in the laboratory that the Challengers found earlier on. And he basically looks, if you imagine a sort of giant squid-faced type human with sort of scales on his long red arms, wearing a very Kirby-esque armour. Yeah. White belt, white sort of shoulder armour, big white circle in his chest. He's wearing a, a rather ornate helmet. Yeah, and he's basically, loom- he's huge. We should say that he's huge. He's looming yes. out from behind some rocks at the side of a road and he sees a car speeding past underneath and this big lobster squid scientist X-Man is saying, In order to carry out my scientific assignment here, I must undergo a physical change, make myself look like an earthling. I can't risk terrifying anybody who might discover my presence. And in the next little flashback panel with its jagged edge, we see him shrinking down and he's starting to change. He's taking his helmet off and he's becoming less lobster-like or less (laughs) squid-like. And he's saying, Once transformed, I can attend to my duties, help this primitive world achieve scientific triumphs that would otherwise cost them centuries of work and experiments. And then in the final panel of page 10, we see that Scientist X is basically mutated enough so that he looks like the figure that we saw in the projected image. There's a nice full moon in the background of this panel. We must mention that. We do like a full moon. Yes, not Murphy Anderson for a change. No, not, not, <laughs> certainly not. But we should point out, Scientist X, he looks very human-like, but he's very, very reddish-pink skin. Yes. Smooth, bald head. So we now see him walking across the, the, the ground here, and he's saying, Now, to undertake my mission here, just as I undertook similar missions on other worlds, but I must hurry if I expect to help the Earthlings, because my time here is short. So now, over the page to the top of page 11, and we're back with the Iron Dictator and D-Man standing in front of their big horrible Nazi flag, and the Iron Dictator is saying, Distance cannot protect him. I'll pursue X to the stars and beyond. Nobody defies their Fuhrer, D-Man says. Incidentally, and for what it's worth, his notes also accuse you of being an imposter. I? An imposter? The Iron Dictator has grabbed D-Man's unique green t-shirt, and he continues... (laughs) I am not genuinely Hitler. He'll surely die for this. Again, another very nonplussed looking D-man says, <laughs> Calm down, Adolf. I didn't say I believed him, did I? <sighs> His notes pointed out you were an impersonator, possessed with the idea that you were Hitler. That's why he clapped you into a dimensional prison, thinking you were a crackpot. A crackpot? Eh? This is worse than treason. And then there's a flash of energy. It looks like D-Man has disappeared. The Iron Dictator continues. Ah! Now, where are you off to, D-Man? D-Man's voice says. To check up on the challengers. You forget. We've got business at hand. It's a burst of energy. He fades out. But then he's back in the next panel. The Iron Dictator still has a hold of his T-shirt. And Iron Dictator says. Himmel! You're back again! Something I overlooked. While I'm away, it is vital that you're able to contact me. Panel 5, now of page 11, and we close up of Dimension Man handing his little gun device to the gauntlet of the Iron Dictator. And Dimension Man is saying, Here's a dimensional contact device. Another magnificent contribution from X. When you trigger it, like this... And the little fizz comes out of the gun with a little burst of energy. I'll know you need me, and I'll appear instantly. This is great, D-Man, but unfair. Because you're not revealing any of your dimensional secrets to me. This is a lopsided partnership. Then with another burst of energy, Dimension Man vanishes again, saying, No time to bicker. I must return to the challengers and find out what they're up to. 
So then, at the top of page 12, we're back in that special secret laboratory, and the caption says, And as the Chals concentrate, listening to one record after another... Yeah, it seems those Scientist X must have a really, really good vinyl collection because the Challengers have obviously been trying all of his different LPs. Red is lying on the ground with his head resting in one hand. He looks very bored. Rocky <laughs> is sat there and then Ace is sat with his head completely bowed. He must be utterly fed up of having to listen to the Dave Clark Five. I don't know. But um, we can see that um, that Prof is the DJ at the moment. He's, he's on the wheels of steel. He's put another disc on the recording device. We can see music coming out of it, and Rocky says, Ho-hum, look, why don't we cool a prof? We've heard the only five platters a dozen times, and nothing makes sense to me. And prof says, But I'm certain the first clue, sound, is in one of these discs X left for us. And in the background of this panel, we can see the translucent figure of Dimension Man, who has once again reappeared. And then panel two of page 12, we get a nice close-up of prof with the music playing around him. And Prof continues, There's nothing else around here that relates to sound. It's got to be in the music. And it's up to us to decode it. And the very smug-looking Dimension Man, standing in the background with his arms folded, thinks, Keep at it, Prof. And I'm sure you'll have the message worked out. For me. We're now into panel 3, page 12, and a caption that says, But as the child sweat out the cryptic clue... An unexpected surprise is about to jolt everybody, because back at D-Man's hideout... And we see the Iron Dictator pulling a, a rope, which is obviously attached to some curtains, and he's saying, The historic moment approaches, the biggest moment since the Blitzkrieg of World War II. He pulls the curtains open, and basically revealed are his soldiers. As the Iron Dictator opens the curtain, and one voice says, Achtung, there he is! And another voice says, Heil Hitler! And another voice says, Heil the Iron Dictator. Then we see in the final panel of page 12, all the assembled troops of the Iron Dictator all raising their hands in that salute. We can see the swastikas in their armour. We can see the giant swastika flag behind them. And the Iron Dictator is, has his arm raised in salute and he is saying, To you faithful stormtroopers who have rallied to our cause, I want to say this. You will be the cornerstone of the new Third Reich we'll rebuild. The Reich I promised to make stand... For a thousand years. And the Nazis give the appropriate responses. They continue with their heils. Yes, they continue with their heils, yes. The Nazis continue heiling, heiling away to their heart's yes. content. Yes, because they, they do love a heil. So, we're now at the top of page 13. And we see Iron Dictator, who looks very Adolf-like, it must be said, the mm -hmm. way he's been drawn here. When he has Dimension Man's gun, and he's saying, But now, I must summon my co-conqueror Dimension Man, who helped in gathering you here. He and I will be not only your leader, but your inspiration. And from off-panel, the troops cry, Heil Hitler! Heil the Dimension Man! Yes. Mm. And then the next panel actually did make me laugh. We get a nice close-up of the Iron Dictator firing the little gun, and with a poof sound effect, some energy bursts from it, and the Iron Dictator says, I merely push a button on this remarkable device to release a signal that goes out to wherever D-Man is. And then the caption for the next panel says, But the result is not what the Iron Dictator expected, nor what anybody expected. We're back with the challengers, and it's like a giant green octopus with limbs with claws at the end of them. It's a giant red eye on a on the end of a stalk, a huge mouth with, with very sharp teeth. It's pretty horrific. horrific. Um, the challengers have noticed it, and Rocky exclaims, Brother, look what's making the scene. 
And Red says, Another little surprise from our scientist friend, no doubt. And Prof says, Huh, I'd say it's more likely right out of D-Man's bag of tricks. And the monster can be seen sort of exclaiming, I mean, it's like a jagged line, so it must yeah. be making some horrible, unearthly scream, and it does that yeah. in the next panel as well, as it makes a grab for Prof, who says, The way it appeared out of thin air, you can bet it came straight out of our mystery dimension. And Red has picked up a piece of um, metal, obviously from something that's been trashed in the laboratory, and he says, but What is it? Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Rocky also has a bit of metal, and he's making a swing for the beast, and he says, Cool it, Redhead. It's a nightmare. And right now we ought to hit first and ask questions later. We're now at the bottom of page 13 in this panel. We can see the Dimension Man is watching what's going on. We can see that the giant octopoid creature has grabbed Prof in its hand. We can see that it looks like it's grabbed Ace and is holding him upside down. Dimension Man is watching and he thinks, That nutty Iron Dictator goofed! He pushed the wrong button! And instead of summoning me, he released that weirdo from the Dimension. Normally I'd enjoy seeing this monstrosity tear the challengers apart. But right now, no harm must come to them. I need them. That's very interesting. Release that weirdo from the dimension. I wonder if he, he was being held in the same dimension that Iron Dictator had been Ooh, trapped in. Quite possibly. How many dimensions has Dimension Man got access to? Well, that's true. I mean, it could be anything, yeah. So, we're now at the top of page 14, and we can see this is this is pretty scary stuff. The monster is holding Ace, and it looks like it's about to eat him, quite frankly. Dimension Man has turned invisible again, and he's down close in front of the monster, and he's thinking, I can put up with that idiot's batty Hitler complex, which will help me, but I just can't trust him to do anything intelligent. I'd better vanish back to the hideout. The caption for the next panel says, Instantly! And with a flash, Dimension Man is back beside the Iron Dictator. Iron Dictator says, Huh? What's wrong? Dimension Man says, Plenty! You made a very bad mistake in using that! Let me have it! Hope I'm not too late to save the challengers! And he makes a grab for the gun the Iron Dictator is still holding. Next panel, the Iron Dictator says, Save them? Have you flipped? The first of many plans we made was to get rid of them! With a click, Dimension Man operates the gun, saying, what you don't understand is we're not ready to knock off the challengers. No, not yet. Ah, this should do it. And then we're back in the laboratory and a caption says, And in that precise second, at the lab. And we see the giant octopus creature fading out, still making that horrible sort of cacophonic scream. It drops Ace and it drops Prof. Rocky observes, Hey look, it's going away. And Red says, and just in the nick of time, it had us cold. We couldn't have dented it with an atom bomb. So we're going to summarise the next part. Rocky suggests blowing up the laboratory. The prof points out that it wouldn't do any good to help them catch D-Man. D-Man eavesdrops invisibly on the challengers as they try to you know, make another attempt to decipher the sound, substance and light clues. And they work out using a very convoluted thing involving records and projectors. We'll put some of the panels for this on the social so you can see them. They work out, basically, that Scientist X's secrets are on one island in the Pacific. D-Man returns to the Iron Dictator with the information, and D-Man wants the Dictator's troops to rob a bank to distract the challengers long enough so that D-Man can check the island first himself. And now at the top of page 17, we have a caption that says, Not long after... And we see a nice shot of the Galloping Gizmo, the challenger's aeroplane, which has to say, <laughs> given later what it does later on, reminds me very much of the Fantastic R. Absolutely, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Logopolis. There's obviously a loud alarm going off because of some large 
clang, clang captions. The challengers are running into the room towards the galloping gizmo, and Ace is saying, On the double! That's the gizmo emergency alarm! Let's see what's up! The next panel, he's inside his cockpit, and he's got his headphones on. He's obviously investigating what's happening, and he reports to the others, A bank in town! Being hit by stormtroopers! And Red says, Stormtroopers? This is so nutty. It's got to be a gag. And Rocky says, Well, I always like a laugh. Pile in, fellas, and let's get with it where all the action is. Then the next panel has cut to the bank that's being attacked by the Iron Dictator's forces. The Iron Dictator's tank bursts through the wall of the bank with a kaloom. And we see a couple of bank guards firing at the tank with a pow and a bam. And one of the guards says, A Nazi tank. I never thought I'd see one of them again. And how come it's over here? And the second guard says, I don't know, but the only thing that keeps me from thinking that this is a crazy dream is the hunk of plaster that just hit me. The next panel, with a clamour and a whoosh, we can see the Iron Dictator has fired the cannon of his tank, and he says, Now to demolish the vault door. Nothing can stand before the Iron Dictator. And in the bottom panel of page 17, we can see that the, the vault door has melted, and several of the Iron Dictator's soldiers are piling out of a hatchway in the side of the tank, and he is saying, Clean out that vault. And hurry, I can't waste time stealing mere millions. I am a conqueror of nations. Over the page, top of page 18, in a caption that says, But having landed on the roof, the chals swing down into the fray. Yeah, and this is obviously where we were with the splash panel, I suppose. As they drop through the roof, we can see Rocky and Red at the front, Ace and the prof in the background, and Rocky says, It ain't a gag, chums. These creeps are stormtroopers. And Red says, First a way out lab, then a wild D-man, and now some crazy Nazis. You can't say it's not our day. <laughs> then they have a bit of a fight in the next panel. There's some quama and pows and blams and vams going on. Yep. Rocky grabs and lifts up one of the troopers, saying, I'm going to shake some of those marbles out of your head, Ratsy. And then we see Red punching another one, saying, Maybe these nuts think another Hitler's going to pop up. And Iron Dictator says, He is here. I am the Führer. I am the Iron Dictator. My own personal D-Day begins by blasting you to bits. And Rocky says, Get alone to that, will you? The king of oddball creeps. We have a slow dissolve now, and the caption says, Just as the Chals face the Iron Dictator, D-Man makes his sudden appearance on a distant island. Yes, yeah, so the distraction is obviously working, and the Iron Dictator, by... Making the Charles come and fight him at the bank has allowed D-Man to visit the island that the challengers discovered by working out the answer to the, the sound and substance clues. So, with a burst of yellow energy, D-Man materialises and he is saying, While my witless colleague keeps them busy, I'll look this place over. No sign of human life. No sign either that Scientist X was ever here. But then he wouldn't leave obvious signs. And then he continues in the nice big close-up. His secrets could be hidden in a million places on this dreary place. And only time to search, maybe weeks. And during that time, I must delay the challengers so they can't come out here. But I can't trust the Iron Dictator to do the entire job for me. I'll have to handle them in a different way. And will they be surprised? Now, back to the bank. And with another burst of yellow energy, Dimension Man goes translucent and fades out. Then the caption for the next panel says, So, back to the battle scene. 
And this is quite amusing, actually, because we can see the challengers hopping and leaping about as the Andictator fires at them, and the, the sound effects... Um, I wonder if whoever wrote this comic was a big fan of the Mothers of Invention, because be. we get Zappa and Zappa and Zap. So, yes, I wonder if that's a reference to, <laughs> to Frank. It possibly mm. could be. I'm not sure. I'm not enough of a fan to know. Anyway, as they hop around, Ace is saying, He might be some kind of oddball creep, but that gun of his is strictly business. Wow! And then at the top of page 19, we have a caption that says, Suddenly, a hand pulls a master switch. Yes, and we see a yellow hand here operating a switch, and a voice says, Now for the fun, haha. And then the caption for the next panel says, And the lights blink out. This is quite funny. A solid black panel um, with three speech bubbles, and the first one we can work out by elimination. <laughs> it's Rocky, and he says, Ace, Prof, Red, where are you? Which one of you pulled the switch? And one of the others says, It wasn't me, Rocky. And then one of the others says, <laughs> Don't sound off, you guys. They'll know where you are and fire at your voice. Then the caption for the next panel says, Then, just when their eyes get accustomed to the dark. Yeah. You see one of the challengers with a whack sound effect getting struck in the back of the head, and a voice says, One. And then the next panel with a crack, we see another one of the challengers being punched out. He goes, Ugh! And a voice says, Two. And then the next panel with a crunch sound effect, and an ow from the respective challenger. We see one of the challengers with both hands of this mystery person coming down hard on the back of the challenger's head. And the voice says, Three. So then, the caption for panel six of page 19 says, Much later, the dazed chals attempt to stand on wobbly legs. The bank guards are trying to help them. We see one of the bank guards helping Rocky to his feet, and the guard says, You fellers okay? And Rocky says, Oh, sure. That was a terrific belt, but what hurt me more is knowing one of my own buddies threw that punch. And then Ace says, He got me, too. And then Red says, What about me? Which one of you guys could slug happy in the blackout? And then Prof, who's still on the ground, trying to recover, says, Don't ask me. I also got whacked, but good. And in the final panel of page 19, we see a bunch of very angry-looking challengers, and Ace says, Now wait a minute. One of us had to be the guy. I saw his arm. The arm of one of us. And Rocky says, Yes, even in the dark, I saw it too. And Red says, But we were all slugged, or was one of us lying? And then Prof says, with his hand to his head, That's ridiculous, Red. Anyway, right now, let's get back to the lab. There's nothing to be done here. The Iron Dictator and his stormtroopers are gone. And we arrive now at the top of page 20, and the caption says, and as the galloping gizmo knifes through night skies. And it's a nice little inset illustration of the Challenger's aircraft speeding along through the clouds. And we're back in the main panel with the Andictator and Dimension Man and the Andictator's troops. The Andictator is standing in front of the flag and he's saying, That is all for the present. Go to your barracks. Our big plans will come later. Heil! And the troops all declare, Heil Hitler, Heil Iron Dictator. And Dimension Man is obviously bored of this with his head to his hands, he thinks. How hum. And then we get a nice close-up of the Iron Dictator and Dimension Man in panel two. And the Iron Dictator is saying, I could have killed the Challengers. They were utterly helpless at the bank. Why did you have us withdraw? Dimension Man replies, If the island theory proves wrong, they must be kept alive to solve Scientist X clues for me. 
but that we kept plenty busy now finding a traitor among them. The next panel, Iron Dictator has his gauntleted hand up to his head and he says, One of the challengers? A traitor? <laughs> Come on, D-Man. Your imagination is running wild. Even a maniac couldn't believe that. D-Man says, Just the same. I will wager at this very moment the challengers are trying to determine which one of them assaulted the others. <laughs> I planned this flawlessly. Yes, because we're finally at the title of the story, isn't it? Who is the traitor among us? Well, maybe we'll find out very soon in this next little sequence because there's only a few pages left of the story. It's a slow dissolve then. Back to the challengers in the laboratory and the caption says, And Dimension Man is right because suspicion has begun to gnaw at each of them. In this next panel, Ace, Prof and Red are all on their feet. Rocky is sat down. Ace is marching up and down saying, Prof is right. It's absurd to suspect one another. In the first place, we were inside of each other. And Rocky says, Except for that blackout. And Red says, Yeah, maybe something screwy happened to one of us. In the last four panels of the page, we've got lovely close-ups of all the challengers, starting with Rocky, who says, Well, I know I can account for myself. That is, until I got KO'd. And then the second one's a profile of Ace, who says, Well, the same goes for me. And then we see Red, who says, Don't anybody look at me. I can remember seeing this figure for a split second, then pow! I was out cold. Then the final panel is a close-up of a, a very thoughtful-looking prof who's tapping his chin. I've got to say, prof's fringe is excellent. Yes. It really is. I'm really, <laughs> really envious of, of prof's hair. Prof is saying, Did anybody consider the fact that D-Man could have whisked one of us into his dimension, brainwashed him, and then whisked him back again in just a few seconds? And we get some sort of surprised-sounding speech bubble reaction noises from the rest of the Charles. We arrive at the top now of page 21. Rocky says, What do you mean, Prof? And we see Prof Healy and he's back at the projector, fiddling with it, and he says, Well, in this case, D-Man could have done something to one of us that would bring the victim under his mental control. Anyway, let's watch the scenes of Scientist X vanishing into the dimension again. I must check the time elements. The next panel shows what is being projected onto the wall, and it's D-Man at a sort of canister, quite a large canister, it's sort of um, his equipment, there's a sort of glass on the front, um, almost looks like a Dalek in some angles, and we can see that inside it is what looks like one of the challengers. And then off panel, who we're guessing is Red, says, Hold it, Prof! Stop the action! This scene is new! And then off panel, Rocky says, Yeah, it shows one of us stretched out here in the tube with D-Man shining some kind of Beam in his face. In panel three, we can see all the challengers looking at the, the image that's being projected. And Ace is saying, Prof, it's like you said. D-Man brought one of us back here during the blackout, got control of his mind, and returned him to the bank. And the Prof says, Looks that way, Ace. What's more, the projector somehow filmed the scene. And luckily, without D-Man's knowledge, or he would have destroyed it to stop us from finding it. Prof then continues in close-up in the next panel. But it's a lucky break we saw this. It could explain why one of us batted the rest of us around. His mind was completely under D-Man's control. And then Ace shouts, Then one of us is a traitor, even though he can't help himself. The next panel, the prof's at another bit of equipment, and he's saying, One thing's for sure. We've got to find the traitor before we go any farther. We could never function as a team with one of us under a shadow of suspicion. Rocky, give me a hand. Let's stand this up. Sure, Prof. But what cooks? Prof continues. The next panel as Rocky takes the weight of the equipment. 
We'll get some unexpected help from X in finding our man. You see, I've been studying this gadget he left here. It's a mind probe machine. No, no not, not the, the mind, mind probe. probe. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. I'm not sure how Prof knows it's a mind probe anyway, but Rocky is bearing the weight of this and lifting it up, and he's saying, Man, that's cool, Prof. This thing can look inside heads and see which one's the double-crosser. We arrive at the top of page 22, and a caption says, But at D-Man's hideout... We see D-Man and Iron Dictator standing in front of a bank of equipment that has a screen, and D-Man is operating a switch, and D-Man says, We must have the challengers in a real sweat by now, Iron Dictator. I'll switch on the reveal screen, and we'll watch them squirm. Blast it! I'll be glad when all this porkiness is done with. I've had action! And then the next panel shows, on D-Man's screen, we can see Prof and Rocky operating the mind probe. And Prof says, Let's start the mind probe test. You first, Rocky. Get with it, Prof. I want this swinging gadget to prove I know Trader on the flip side. D-Man reacts, saying, Huh? What's this? Then he continues in the next panel. I hadn't counted on this. A device that can reveal a traitor. By heavens, they'll ruin my plans unless we... Attack, yes! Attack right away! And it must be said, the Iron Dictator looks horrific in this panel. Yes. It's a sort of side shot of him, and it looks like the, the bottom half of his skull is being held in place by bolts. It's horrible. Mm. He replies to D-Man, That's the kind of talk I like to hear, D-Man. We'll strike with a blitzkrieg. Destroy the challengers! The caption for the next panel. Without losing time, the giant panzer tank approaches. Yeah, and somehow they've been able to transmit the tank that the Undertaker was in earlier on to the area outside the laboratory building that the Challengers are in. The tank is riding along, the hatch is opened in the side again, the troops are firing out. Undertaker says, No quarter given! Death to the Challengers! And one of the troops responds, Hail the Iron Dictator! And the next panel sort of shows what looks like a couple of the challengers looking out the window and seeing the, the Nazis approaching. Red is pointing and he says, Fellers, we'd better forget these tests. Stormtroopers are suddenly pouring in all over the place. We're surrounded. And then he says, We've got to reach the gizmo fast. It's our only chance. And in the next panel, it's basically just a fight between the challengers and some of the Nazis. There's some quammers and zonks and pows and cracks and splats going off. There's a cry of Heil Hitler from one of the Nazi troops as what looks like Ace headbutts him. And then we see Rocky punching another one and he says, Hail, punch in the nose to the top of page 23. And the caption says, Inch by inch, foot by foot, the chals slam their way to the galloping gizmo. You see the ace has already climbed into the aeroplane and Rocky says, Get a go in, ace. Let's scram out of here. And Red says, So many people trying to keep us from leaving, I didn't think they cared. And then the prof says, You'd think Batman was here signing autographs for his fans. Holy uppercut. <laughs> That's two Batman references so far. <laughs> I know, it's fantastic, isn't it? The caption for the next panel. Next instant, the gizmo roars skyward. This is great because it's obviously the point of view of the Iron Dictator's targeting mechanism from his tank. You can see the whoosh as the gizmo speeds through the air, but the crosshairs is over it and the Iron Dictator is saying, By Himmel, I have them in my sights. I'll blast their craft into a thousand shooting stars. And one of his cohorts says, Yeah, Iron Dictator. Then the caption for the next panel says, but, just in time, as Ace presses a button, the gizmo splits amazingly. 
Yep, there's a giant ZAM as the targeted blast from the tank arrives where the combined gizmo used to be. And then Rocky says from his part of the gizmo, Nice going, Ace. And Ace responds, I knew they'd have the Panzer cannon looking down our throats. And then the prof says from his segment of the ship, Incidentally, I forgot to tell you guys, there is no traitor among us. And then Red says, What? Man, I was all shook up before. Let's get together again, Cass. I want to hear Prof explain that. The caption's the next panel. And at mid-flight, the gizmos' parts reassemble. Terrific. Prof can be seen saying, The whole mind probe test was phony. I used a piece of machinery I couldn't identify, but it served my purpose. You see, gang, I figured a controlled mind wouldn't cooperate in a test to determine the traitor's identity, so... Since every one of us was willing to submit to the test, I knew D-Man had pulled a cutie. It was D-Man who slucked us around in the bank, and he purposely filmed the scene of a captured challenger being brainwashed, so we'd see it and think one of us was a traitor. The gizmo is recombined, as the prof is saying all this, and we can see Rocky and Red climbing through the hatches into the sort of central section with it all together and red is saying oh boy that trick backfired in d-man now what about the island where x has his secrets we're now in the final panel of page 23 and we see a shot of the gizmo diving underwater prof is responding to red and he says the island that's the second clue substance let's go beneath it we'll stick to our first clue the sea what we're guessing might be red says but remember, we still have a third clue, light. And then Rocky says, We'll worry about that when we see if Prof is right. We arrive at the top of page 24, and the caption says, Deep into the murky depths they dive, down to where they enter under a great shelf to see... And Ace exclaims, You're right, Prof. Look at that. And Red says, An underwater pad. Man, I get a charge out of this. And I'm going to suggest it's the prof who says, It could have been built only by an alien. And it's the location Scientist X was trying to lead us to. I'm sure of that. And we can see that they've come across what looks like a bog-standard undersea base. It looks like it's been built yeah. into the side of the, the undersea cliff. It's very interesting. The next panel is a nice shot of them all inside the canopy. And Rocky says, We're doing fine so far, but what does the third clue, light, have to do with all this mystery? And the prof says, Light might mean the key to get inside. Keep circling Ace while I scan it with a light beam. Must be said, Ace looks appalled or really alarmed on that panel. It's quite <laughs> funny. Panel 3 of page 24. It's a nice external shot of the gizmo. It's firing a light beam onto a panel on the outside of the undersea structure. A voice from inside the sub says, Well, again, Prof, the beam opens. An airlock. I don't see a welcome sign, cats, but let's go in. The hatch is opened, so they obviously pilot the gizmo through the hatch. And in the final panel, or the final page of the story, they're inside another fantastic structure. We can see a staircase leading up. There's some tall columns. There's what looks like a, a big overhead light. The prof observes, Just as Scientist X wanted us to, we found his storehouse of awesome scientific secrets, unknown to mankind. And he says, Secrets may be that we shouldn't yet reveal to humanity, if we can figure them out. And Red says, You know, fellas, this would make a great headquarters for us, hidden away from the world. We can come and go with all the privacy we'd ever want. And then, and I have so many questions at this point, <laughs> a closing caption says, Maybe! 
But for now, Charles, just look, but don't touch. These secrets could be dynamite, and don't forget, too, D-Man and the Iron Dictator are still looking for you. And that's it. It doesn't even say the end. <laughs> now, where do we start here? Dimension Man, etc. We didn't really get an explanation of his origin, did we? No. Nothing about his motivation? No. The Iron Dictator situation. Yes. There's hints there from Dimension Man that he's not the real Adolf Hitler. Yes. Transplanted into some weird robo-skull effort. Uh-huh. But a guy who's obsessed with it. Uh-huh. The Iron Dictator maintains that he is. Yes. We don't really find out what's happened to Scientist X. No. Where he is or what's going on. Nothing more is said about what was going on at the laboratory. There was no scene of them actually defeating Iron Dictator and D-Man. And that final caption yes. makes me think that this is maybe perhaps part one of a two-part story. But this story is the only appearance of both Dimension Man and Iron Dictator. <laughs> I feel a bit cheated after 24 pages. I hope the listeners don't feel cheated. <laughs> There's a very good reason for this. Right. This story was written by uh, Franz E. Heron and drawn by Bob Brown. Now, Franz E. Heron was a writer who worked all the way through the Golden Age of Comics up right through to the Silver Age here. Right. And mm-hmm. he was born in 1917. Now, he's actually the co-creator of The Red Skull. Ah, which is quite interesting considering how the Iron Dictator looks and how he behaves. Yes, very much so. It's also listed as co-creator of Captain Marvel Jr. Really? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he's worked primarily for DC, but certainly he's worked for lots of different companies. He was a primary writer in Challengers for years. Right. Is this the final issue that he did? This issue came out in October 66. He actually passed away in September 66. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how he died, but yeah, he passed away in September oh, 66. Wow. But obviously, he had several comic scripts that were in production at the time. There's about half right. a dozen stories that came out after this. I think this is his only Challengers one. The Challenger stories after this are a bit kind of messy in that they don't really refer to their base. Right. They do go back to it, but eventually, you know, everything's kind of abandoned and it's back to Challengers Mountain, yeah, the traditional right. base. But yeah, obviously, he was set- setting things up and... Mm-hmm. Murray Bolton off the editor obviously didn't really want to pay off that particular story and right. he just went in a completely different direction. So if issue 53 was written by Franz Heron and drawn by Bob Brown. Yeah. Who did the next issue then? It was still a Franz Heron script for the next issue and still Bob Brown. Right. But after that, Arnold Drake took over, the guy who's probably best known for doing the Doom Patrol. Uh, Bob Brown stuck with it for quite a while and uh, Arnold Drake did right. as well. We don't actually get a part two of this story then though, do we? You don't get a part to this story, although the base is used occasionally. It's mostly right. the challengers out and about doing things. You don't really refer to their base, but there are, there are right. stories that are set on the base. But we don't actually get a resolution to the D-Man and Iron Dictator story. No, that is their one and only appearance for both characters, which is a shame because they're so, so interesting. Yeah, there was so much set up there about mm-hmm. everything about them both. you know. Yeah. And that final caption makes you think that these guys are going to be back and the Charles are going to have a lot of mm. trouble with them. Yeah, Dimension Man obviously is incredibly powerful. D-Man, or Dimension Man, whichever you want to call him, is mm-hmm. very much the type of villain that the Challengers usually come up against. He's, he could easily right. have been added into the League of Challenger haters because he is that weird kind of like powerful scientist, criminal mastermind. You don't really know much about him. It's fascinating as a character. His powers are crazy, like, mm-hmm. you know, all that, this hypnotism stuff, being able to fade in and out, and all these hints about these other dimensions where that big, you know, octopoid horror 
yeah. lived and all that sort of stuff. And we didn't really get an explanation about who Scientist X was and where he came from. I mean, in some ways it raises more questions than it answers. Yeah. We've had stories, obviously, in the past that mentioned Dimension X. So mm-hmm. and there will be some more that we'll probably do. So, you know, we thought this was worth doing. And obviously Scientist X, you know, did he get his name because that's the dimension that he came from? I'm fascinated by what you said. He was the guy that, that co-created the Red Skull because yeah. I'm, I want to speculate. Is, is this the Red Skull that's in the story? I think it's maybe Earth One's version of the Red Skull. Yeah, or is it the Marvel Red Skull but he's been transferred over from his dimension <laughs> by Dimension Man? Let's talk about and Dictator then because he could be A, the Earth One Adolf Hitler. Yes. Who faked his death and ended up getting banished to another dimension and Dimension Man's casually plucked him back. Could be that, yep. right? That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. He could be some nutter who believes he's Hitler, uh, but seems to have all this kind of like power and charisma. I mean, it doesn't really make sense. He was just some random guy. Yeah, I mean, he has a tank, which is very well equipped. He has an mm-hmm. army. Yeah. And they were casually behind the curtain in, in D-Man's swinging bachelor pad. I mean, were they in the dimension? I mean, where was Dimension Man's swinging bachelor pad actually located? I mean, I d- oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, does this is this typical for the challengers? Yes and no. Yes and no. It, right. They usually are, as I said, up against this sort of villainous type who's quite mad scientist quite powerful, uh, and it's, uh-huh. it's it's all about problem-solving. It's all about the teamwork and the problem-solving, using their skills. I love how Prof Haley went from skin diver to being scientist who knows everything, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just because his name was Prof. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the thing that happens in comics all the time. I remember yeah. when DC launched a series called JSA All-Stars, in the late 2000s, which took the kind of younger members of the mm-hmm. Justice Society and kind of spun them off into their own comic, leaving mainly the legacy heroes. And there was a scene at the start where um, Rick Tyler and Rex Tyler, because Rex Tyler had been revived and rescued post-Zero Hour spoilers, and Rex has principally always been a chemist. Mm-hmm. He synthesised Miracle and all that sort of stuff. But they have him, because he's a scientist, because he's Rick's dad, he's a scientist, yep. they've got him installing the full computer system oh, <laughs> in the lab, you know what I mean? I was up a ladder, like, you know, installing computer stuff, and you're like, yeah, because as you say, like, Prof, he's yeah. a scientist, so he must know everything. Surely he'd be, like, screwing in valves and stuff, given, the, given his, how dated his you know, technological knowledge would be. Yeah, rather <laughs> than, you know, just being an expert in his chosen field, he knows everything, so... Mm. I don't know. It's always quite a loose sort of term, isn't it? Scientists and comics yeah. and their expertise. It definitely feels like part one of a part two, doesn't yeah. it? It definitely feels like completely unresolved and yeah. like there was an awful lot set up that, that and if it didn't come, that, that's a shame. Yeah, I must I imagine it, it must have been quite frustrating to have read that at the time. Yeah. Probably more frustrating than it is now. I don't know. I've got a third option for who the Iron Dictator could possibly be. He could possibly be right. Adolf Hitler from a parallel universe. Because he plucked him from a dimension, but he didn't say which dimension. Yes, that's true. So it could be he is a different dimension's Hitler. Yes. Which is really, really interesting. And again, you know, it's just it's, it's just mad as far as storytelling goes. Filled with promise, but... I just find it very frustrating now because obviously we'll never know. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. I feel sorry for Fran that he, that he died because, you know, at this point, if he was born in 1917... Yeah, he was only 49. That's how old I'll be next year, etc. I mean, it's it's quite it's quite humbling in a way. So, yeah. obviously, we'll we'll dedicate this episode to you, Fran. God rest you. 
part of me almost wishes that we that we didn't do this because I'm so confused and dis- dissatisfied. <laughs> but that's half the fun. That's half the fun. Is the exploration absolutely? Again, it's another example of the different editorial team and the different writing teams making use of dimensions and and what you can do with them. So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting for that from that point of view. But I will confess I've been a little dissatisfied as far as the artwork goes. It's some of the most rudimentary stuff I think we've seen. I yeah. don't mean that in a bad sense. It was uh-huh. it was very straightforward. There was nothing yeah. too flashy. It will be easy enough to pick out. Um, I think you know, ten panels to stick on Instagram and hopefully get a few that don't have the Nazi flag in them. Um, I mean that's another thing as well. I mean this is barely twenty years after World War Two, so uh-huh. that you know they can they can talk about Nazis at this point, and everyone knows that Nazis are bad and yeah, and they, and that they lost. Whereas nowadays, where there's such a, a bit more of a, a right wing agenda from a lot of people that mm-hmm. you know you feel uncomfortable talking about them. It makes me worry that people would think we're endorsing them. <laughs> do you know? Do you know no, what I mean? No, no. Because it feels now. It feels now that you know because they, when the comic was published, they were a gone uh-huh. threat. They didn't exist. Whereas now it's a you know it's a it's a very real threat again, and it's bizarre that the world has gone that way again. Mm, maybe this is too political for the other two podcasts. I don't know. I don't know. Well, bit of mind, we're going to be doing all Star Squadron at some point when <laughs> we eventually get there. It'll be all Nazis every week. <laughs> and of course, we've got the, the Wonder Woman period in the 70s to talk yes, about. We'll uh-huh. be doing a few other World War II stories at various points. So, um, And the freedom fighters before that. Nazis are bad. That's mm-hmm. the okay. um, that's our attitude. That's our attitude. Nice is bad, okay? Is there anything else you want to go over? I just really think Dimension Man is ripe for bringing back. I mean, that's just such a great concept. And seriously, I'm, I'm convinced that's the... Time champion swinging bachelor pad that he's just put diesel over. <laughs> That's an extra dimensional limbo. Could have been because um yeah it's it's all because he I mean he's a giant D on his chest. Mm-hmm. Is he the Earth One per Degaton? Well, he could be. It could be. I don't know. He's hanging about with a version of Hitler. You know, maybe yeah. they have something in common. Mm-hmm. We'll meet Degaton eventually. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Shall we do the letters? There's not a huge response in the letters page to this, but yeah, we'll flip forward. So, the contemporary letters then. Let's chat with the Charles is the letters page. The mail shoot in a big sack of mail and address all mail to Challenges of the Unknown, National Periodicals, 575 Lexington Avenue, New York, New York. And the first letter goes a little something like this. Dear Editor, how do you do it? I thought nobody could be more fascinatingly evil than that vile villain Villow. But... I certainly was mistaken. Dreadful Dimension Man and his batty cohort, the Incredible Iron Dictator, have set new records of formidably fiendish and incidentally illegal behaviour. But the villains in story were not the most impressive feature of issue 53. Nothing but nothing could overshadow the glory of that magnificent cover. I have never ever seen a more dramatic, sensationally coloured cover. There wasn't a single error in placement or style. By the way, I'm glad to see that the new look of the Challengers is really new. New costumes haven't been the only real changes, for which all Charles fans must be indeed thankful. Please keep giving us more of these wonderfully imaginative stories, and those cookie bad guys. By the way, what colour is D-Man's hair? And that's from future comic colourist, so she knows what she's talking about, Irene Vartanoff, (laughs) from Lake Forest College Lake Forest. Uh, yeah, Irene, who's featured pretty much every episode of our podcast for the last ten weeks. Recently, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I don't quite disagree with her. It's not the most dynamic cover I've ever seen, but you know, maybe I'm, I'm not a professional artist, so what do I know? Right, the editorial response to this one. Oh, how we love to have you go on and on, Irene. You don't know what you do to our ego. 
but it's too bad you had to cram all your complimentary comments onto a single postcard. Just imagine what you'd do if you had a full box of stationery. Anyway, what do you mean, asking us about D-Man's hair? Nobody, but nobody's ever seen him without his helmet. He even wears it when he's shaving. But D-Man's either as bald as Yule Brenner or as hairy as a beetle. One day we'll have him doff his lid so you can sleep easy. Ed. So that's quite good. A Magnificent Seven and a Beatles reference in one editorial response. Yes, that's true. Almost, I, almost feel, I almost feel like I've been targeted specifically. That's quite good. <laughs> the phrasing of that is really interesting because that definitely suggests that, you know... He's coming back. That D-Man has either been around before or, as you uh-huh. say, if he's going to come back. It's interesting. Yeah. Quite a lot of the page is just taken up with some edited highlights from a few letters. So there's one from Charles Anderson of Minneapolis who says... Please eliminate the hair and moustache on the mask of the Iron Dictator and change D-Man's skin back to normal because the yellow looks horrible. I don't know what you've planned for red, but I hope it's good. The editorial response to that is... How could we omit the Iron Dictator's moustache and cowlick without destroying his resemblance to the most formidable, infamous Fink who ever lived? Infamous Fink? Good grief. Yes, that's of its time. (laughs) Gosh. And why shouldn't D-Man's visage be yellow? Where he comes from and where he goes, nobody knows. So why flesh-tinted? As for our plans for Red, boy oh boy, will they grab you in this-ish? Yeah, because are we right in thinking, was it Red that they killed off for a few episodes? or a few Yes, issues? Red, Red dies. Don't worry folks, he gets better. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> We're now going to quickly look at a segment from the letters page of issue 56. Dimension Man in number 53 was just great, but as for his crony, the Iron Dictator, eek, and that's from Ted Palmer of... Framingham, Massachusetts. Incidentally, I don't like our child's new headquarters underwater. And the editorial response to that is... So, haven't you heard about the housing shortage? We'll have to settle for that for the time being, says the editor. And that's really about it. (laughs) Do you know what? Doing this issue, it's almost been like... Do you remember in the the early 90s when there was lots and lots and lots of missing Doctor Who episodes Mm -hmm. and they put out a few VHS tapes that had like basically what was left of some William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton stories. I feel like I've just watched episode three of Enemy of the World and I've got no way of experiencing (laughs) the rest of the story. Yes. You know, I mean, it's maybe not the best metaphor, but, you know, it's slightly dissatisfying because it feels, really feels like... As, as I've laboured, we were being set up for other stuff that we just didn't get. Yeah. It's very weird. It's very frustrating. Hopefully it hasn't been too frustrating for you, the listener. Do let us know. Yes, and you can let us know by dropping us a line at theearthtopodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. We'll also be putting some slight highlights from this issue and some other bonus stuff up on our social media. So check us out on Facebook. We're at The Earth 2 Podcast. Also, we're at The Earth 2 Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth2. And that's the number two for all of our social media. Yep. Thanks for bearing with us on this one. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off and think about this one an awful lot more. Do you know what, actually? I should, the obvious thing to say is, Pete, see, the thought has suddenly occurred that, you know, you know this DC comic that I keep saying that you and I are going to write? Of course. The one that's going to team up the Guardian and Mr. Terrific and Tarantula and Dan Richards Manhunter and all that and the one that's going to fill up all these other plot holes that we talked about. I think that <laughs> one element of the comic that we write could be the resolution of the Iron Dictator and Dimension Man story involving the challenges of the unknown and a cast of thousands. What do you I think? I would love that. Perfect. Perfect. Sign me up. Yeah, we'll pitch that. Right, well, I've been David Steele. And I've been Peter Watson. And you've been listening to... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. 
address all mail to challengers of the unknown at National Periodicals 5, five oops, 500, forget it. <laughs> let me start, let me start again. I'm, exa I'm knackered. Let, I'm, anyway, 